0: Welcome to Have You Heard, the AABP podcast. My name is Dr. Fred Gingrich, and today we're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, which initially got me started with AABP, and that's extra-label drug use. Uh, And we have several experts on with us today who are going to uh, walk us through this topic for cattle veterinarians. And so we're going to start off uh, with Kevin Jock. Kevin, go ahead and introduce yourself, please.
1: Thanks, Fred. My name is Kevin Jacques. I'm a veterinarian. I graduated six years ago from The Ohio State University, and I practiced in Ohio and Western Washington State. And now I'm a clinical professor at Ohio State in our large animal clinic here in Marysville, Ohio. And I'm also the chair of the Pharmaceutical and Biologic Issues Committee here for AABP.
0: Thanks, Kevin, and thanks for uh, volunteering uh, as chair for that committee. Uh, Virginia Fate is our next guest. Virginia, go ahead and introduce yourself, please.
2: Hi, Fred. Uh, My name is Virginia Fate. I'm a veterinary clinical pharmacologist at Texas A&M University. I'm an Auburn grad, and I did graduate work at um, Iowa State. And I've been at Texas A&M for uh, quite a while now, and I've um, been – involved with ABP in discussing um, drug use issues. I'm a former chair of CPBI as well um, and have an interest in um, extra-label drug use and regulations about drugs in food animals.
0: Absolutely. Past chair CPBI, I am too, so we have three past chairs of CPBI on the call today, and we're also joined by Fiona Monsell. Fiona, please introduce yourself.
3: Hi, I'm Fiona Monsell, I'm a clinical faculty member in the Food Animal Reproduction and Medicine Service at University of Florida, and I provide ambulatory veterinary service to our dairy clients, as well as clinical and classroom teaching of DVM students. Um, I'm boarded in large animal internal medicine, and I've been an ABP member for 22 years this year. Um, I'm currently the director of the FARAD program, which is the Food Animal Residue Avoidance and Depletion Program here at UF.
0: Excellent. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this conversation where we're going to talk about the role of FARAD uh, and walk us through some extra-label drug use decisions and what that means for veterinarians. Uh, going to mention Kevin again here. Kevin is the founder of the uh, famous Facebook group, the the vet truck. And a lot of these discussions come up on there. Um, So this information is relevant to the veterinarian that is doing daily uh, beef and dairy work, as well as uh, the practitioner that is a mixed animal practitioner and may not be overly familiar with the rules and regulations. And So we're going to start off with Virginia and Let's just uh, start with that 30,000-foot view, Virginia, and tell us what is extra-label drug use.
2: Extra-label drug use is very simply defined. It is the use of a drug in a manner which is not included on the label of the drug. So some of you may not always look at the label of a drug. It can be what's on the box. It can be what's on the actual label on a bottle um, or on a um, some other kind of um, container, it also includes the piece of paper that you usually throw away when you open up the box. Um, the insert is sometimes called. All of that is part of the label, and that um, those all of those things have information about how the drug is manufactured, um, the studies done to um, demonstrate effectiveness and safety, and anything that's not in the label and um, indication, species of animal, route of administration, duration, uh, dose. Anything that's that you're using that's not on the label is extra label and extra label in itself is not necessarily problematic. It's the extra label. It's the types of extra label use where um, we start having conversations. But anytime you go extra label in a food producing animal in particular, you need to be thinking about other decisions that you need to make, information you need to provide and so on.
0: Yeah, and that's such a great point, Virginia, that it's the type of extra label use that veterinarians need to be aware of. And maybe walk us through some consideration that a food animal veterinarian, specifically a bovine veterinarian, might consider if they're determining this is extra label drug use and now I need to decide if it's appropriate. So what might be some of them considerations that a cattle veterinarian might consider?
2: Yeah, sure. So um, I'm going to think about or I'm going to talk about how to decide whether an extra label use might be legal or not. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so the, the first question that you might ask yourself as a practitioner, as you're making a decision about whether you use a drug or not is, is there a drug that is labeled for the indication that I'm interested in that comes in the formulation that I need that has been demonstrated to be effective? If that is the case, then that is the drug that I should use. Um, if there is no such drug like that, either it's for a different species or a different indication or the dose has been um, demonstrated to be ineffective, um, then, then, I, then I am permitted to make a choice to use a, a drug in an extra-label manner. My first choice of extra-label drug would be a drug that's approved in a food-producing animal, either the same animal for a different indication or another food-producing animal um, for, um, that I want to use for a, a different indication in a different species. Um, And then from there, if none of those things are available or um, useful, then I am permitted to use a drug that's approved either for humans or for companion animals in an extra-label manner in a food-producing animal. And um, the sort of bottom of the list is, um, if none of those things are available, is it possible for me to compound a drug for use in a food-producing animal? And if you are considering compounding from Raw drug, or the product that you're going to purchase is or prescribe is, is um, made from raw drug, bulk drug, um, then that would not be considered legal in a food producing animal. So that's kind of the hierarchy of the major issues related to extra label use that's legal. There are some other permutations, some other decisions. There are lists of drugs that um, for which extra label use is never permitted. Um, Extra-label use is never permitted for um, drugs in or on animal feed. Extra-label use of any drug is never permitted for production purposes. Extra-label use is only allowed for therapeutic purposes. And so those are kind of the general um, categories of acceptable extra-label use. The final consideration is, um, it's probably not the final, but it's the one that's relevant to this conversation, which is, um, if you are going to use a drug in an extra-label manner, regardless of which drug you're using, you're obligated to provide an extended withdrawal time for that use, whether it's for meat or um, milk or um, some other food product. So that's your obligation. Anytime you use a drug extra-label in a food-producing animal, that you do provide that um, withdrawal time.
0: The, where veterinarians want to go to review those points that Virginia walked us through is Amduca. And uh, that is a a federal law. It was passed in 1994. And one of the things that Virginia talked about was, you know, those special considerations for food animals. We have more extra-label drug use um, um, requirements uh, for food animals, and that's to protect uh, uh, the food supply. But sometimes, Kevin, uh, we might get a client – Especially, you know that that maybe is not a uh, um, what we would call a a, a farm operation. Uh, you know, a commercial farm, and they say, "Well, this is this is a pet cow, and uh, it's never going to enter the food chain." Does that mean we can kind of ignore what Virginia discussed, and we could say, "Well, now it's a pet, so I need to follow the rules for pets"?
1: Uh, the short answer is no. Okay. <laughs> the smart answer is. Um, I went in doubt, asked Dr. Fate because she <laughs> knows a lot about this. But, um, unbeknownst to some, Amduca does apply to all animals technically in the U.S., not yes. just food animals. Um, and so it doesn't matter if the animal is considered a pet or not. That means that we should follow all the rules and through algorithms through Amduca, um, to make sure we're using extra label drugs. I'm sorry, label. Label drugs in an extra label fashion appropriately, so it applies to all animals. And the, the problem is, like, we can never be sure if an animal, even though they say it's a pet, you can't always be sure. There was a, a, um, an example given that this lady had a pet goat or something that got a drug extra labelly, and then the lady owner passed away, um, and the children didn't know what to do with the goat. So it actually had a residue um, and ended up at a auction and thus in slaughter and then had a residue at slaughter. So you just never know. Um, And so you should always be clear to the clients and always provide a a good withdrawal interval when appropriate.
0: And that's a great point because a cow is a cow. It's considered a food animal. uh, And the FDA even identifies different, uh, production classes of animals. And where does that consideration come in Virginia when we're talking about extra label drug use? You know, we have a lot of antibiotics labeled for BRD and beef cows, or maybe something labeled for dry cows. How do we walk through that?
2: Yeah, there's a, there, there's some several sort of complicated permutations there. Um, I think the biggest issue, um, well, let, let me start with saying that, um, The 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 determining factor as to whether a drug use that you're considering is illegal or not is the Code of Federal Regulations that was promulgated um, that that um, enacts the rule the Amduca law. So, um, and Fred, if there's show notes, I can share the um, links for for where you find that information. But um, but the um, what the label says isn't necessarily illegal. Um, restriction. So some labels might say not for use in um, dairy cows or not for use in pre-ruminant calves. And what that means is that a withdrawal time probably hasn't been determined or the safety of that drug hasn't been determined in those in that production class or that age of animals. So that's not necessarily a legal restriction. The legal restriction comes from the code of federal regulations. Um, and so I, I, I just want to clarify that to start with. Um, and then the where that becomes potentially problematic is if you use a drug extra label in one production class of animal, and then when that animal goes to slaughter, there's a residue, it's possible for the USDA, Food Safety Inspection Service, to interpret a level of drug that's found as legal or illegal, depending on which class of animal it was found in. So if the, if the, Drug was used extra label in a different production class. It's possible for the FDA to interpret that as, as if the drug was not approved at all and therefore any amount found would be considered a residue. It's a pretty complicated scenario, um, I understand, but I think it's um, something that should be considered when you're thinking about using drug extra label, particularly if you're going across species. It's a, it's a goat and you're using a cattle label drug. But also if you're using a drug that's labeled for beef cattle in a dairy cow, um, those kinds of considerations um, and discussions, for example, with Farad can be really
0: helpful. Yeah, and so I'm going to assume that what that means is that, um, uh, and I'm going to bounce this question off Fiona, that if if Virginia's example there, we use maybe a, a, a BRD antibiotic let's just say, fluorphenicol in a dairy cow, that we can't use the assigned withdrawal interval uh, that's on the label because we've used it in a different production class. So who's responsible, Fiona, for assigning that withdrawal interval for the extra-label drug use? Yeah, that's
3: right, Fred. So the, the responsibility for assigning the withdrawal interval in any case of extra-drug Extra label drug use is the prescribing veterinarian. So when we use drugs extra labelly, we're the ones responsible for assigning that interval. And um, if you are going to use drugs extra labelly under MDUCA, we're required to establish a substantially extended withdrawal period prior to marketing of the animal and that that needs to be supported by appropriate scientific information. So for an, in the example that you just described, where um, any residues found in that lactating dairy cow that we that in that example we administered flufenicol to um, mm-hmm. would be considered a violation because that's not a class of animal that well they could consider that a violation because that's not a class of animal that that drug is approved uh, for use in in that case when yeah it- yeah you have to assume that that basically an extended withdrawal interval would be required to allow further depletion of residues um, after administration of that drug compared with label use of that drug.
0: And I think that that's something that our listeners need to really uh, get their heads around. And that is an understand. And that is that if you're using an uh, any drug extra label, which would be a production class, that's different, a different route of administration, all those things that Virginia mentioned earlier that you, the veterinarian of record, need to assign that withdrawal interval. It's not the same as what's on the the, the package insert uh, or on the bottle if you're using it extra label because the tolerance is now zero. And those um, withdrawal intervals are based upon the tolerances established. So uh, just always remember that that's a very important tip that you need to, to make sure that you're prescribing appropriate extra-label uh, drug use withdrawal times. And we're going to ask Fiona to provide some comments on that a little bit later. But, Kevin, you're on Beef and Dairy Farms uh, every day working with the Ambulatory Service in Marysville. Uh, so we kind of talk about the veterinarian record and some of our guidelines and their responsibility for antimicrobial use. and that might make some veterinarians a little anxious that they're responsible for that. but should veterinarians feel responsible for that antimicrobial use on their client operations?
1: So veterinarian record really should honestly take a lot of pride in being responsible for that. You have um, you offer such a great opportunity for the client to um, kind of, take care of one of the items on their list of everything they do day to day. And that is being responsible for how drugs are used in an appropriate manner. Um, And not only for extra label use, but maybe just for other reasons of using antimicrobials and reducing resistance too. So, but the veterinary record is also in charge of in, if you work in a larger clinic and maybe you have other associates that are um, and colleagues that are treating animals on, one of your herds that you're a veterinarian of record, you're also responsible for what they might treat with. Um, And so you, you should have some, I think, uh, generally I have a lot of pride in just, you know, being able to help them and making sure that we're going through the motions so that they're using drugs in the right way. Um, And if someone else comes along and gives them a, uh, maybe a different antimicrobial. Or even a different medication that I am aware of it, and that I can um, ensure that we're not going to create a residue, either milk or meat, um, and it's used in the correct way. So I think that's an opportunity for practitioners just to you know offer that service um, as we you know we have maybe we have less dairy clients or less beef clients, and but we can still offer more value to that client even though they might have more animals and we have less clients, but we still offer a great service that way.
0: I think that is such a great point, Kevin, that we should be proud to offer those services to our beef and dairy clients and help them uh, ensure appropriate uh, medication use. Um, And then I want to kind of jump, Kevin, to you on, what are some of the things that veterinarians can do to monitor that antimicrobial use on farms? And, you know, you talked about value uh, to the operation. What value does that bring uh, to them?
1: I I like to call myself a fact checker um, because I like to catch my clients and lie sometimes. <laughs> and um, it's, it's, it's humorous to me, but sometimes they, they feel a little, you know, embarrassed. Um, but I said, I'm not, here to like report you to anyone. I'm here to help make sure that you don't fall into the trap of having a residue. And so the biggest thing, especially on larger operations, is to want to make sure an appropriate record of treatment and that we go through those and review them um, and maybe also changing our protocols. um, And those could be different things. Um, so they might be separate entities, maybe my treatment record and my protocol say different things and I need to review that. And sometimes I have been caught, uh, looking at drug inventory and saying, where did you get this bottle from? And they're like, oh, such and such from a supplier gave that. And they write the script and blah, blah, blah. And they said, well, this withdrawal is completely wrong. Just so you know, um, so (laughs) I just want to let you know this. it should be this and let's make sure it's correct in the computer. Um, so looking over treatment records, just looking at their actual drug inventory, if they don't have a computer and maybe it's a client that just doesn't even use records, just encouraging them to write things down, even if it's on a calendar in their office or um, just a simple spiral bound notebook or something can really help. Um, I have been caught digging in the trash before. Just making sure that um, if they ha- were using something different, I know about it, and I'm not yelling at them for buying it from someone else. I'm just making sure that we're not um, using it inappropriately and that we have the right withdrawal. And then a big thing I see for a lot of like our backyard cases is just calling clients and following up on cases that maybe we use this antibiotic and, and um, it's for pink eye or something. And then the client says, well, you know, doc, I actually, I gave it this and then I think I'm going to sell it. And I said, oh, hold on. Before you do that, since you gave that, here's the withdrawal that I would recommend at that dose and at that interval.
0: I want to touch on that too, Kevin. Uh, our our VCPR guidelines, our AABP VCPR guidelines, talks about the veterinarian record, talks about the responsibility, uh, talks about that monitoring, but also talks about taking uh responsibility for all uh, drug use on a beef or dairy operation, regardless of the marketing channels by how it arrived on the farm. And, and you can do that. The, the over the counter antibiotics, the, the human important, uh, antibiotics, uh, that are injectables, uh, will, be moving to RX status here in the very near future as part of, part of FDA's five-year plan, which many of our listeners are familiar with, uh, which will eliminate some of those other channels. But one of the things that we hear from AABP a lot is, um, which Kevin touched on, is the uh, a distributor that provides a veterinarian that writes scripts to their clients and I would encourage our members when you come across that is have a conversation with your client, talk to them about why are you buying it from this person? Uh, how can I get more involved with that oversight? If they insist on buying it from other people, continue to provide that service and monitor their drug use. Certainly, um, in my opinion, if you have a written VCPR with your clients and they're doing something that is outside of the VCPR, they've broken the VCPR. I have had uh, customers do that before and I informed them that I was not responsible for that drug use and I even document that. Um, So that is one way to handle that. But I think the other thing that we need to do as practice owners uh, is evaluate how our clients are getting their pharmaceuticals to their farm operation and why they're selecting that channel. Um, Charge for your time, charge for your service. Uh, After you're there for a routine visit, as Kevin said, just ask to see their treatment records because one of the things that I have found when I would do that is that a lot of times I could decrease their drug bill, usually significantly, by making sure that they're using antibiotics and other medications appropriately. So I think The first thing to do if you encounter that situation is have a conversation with the client and find out why they're using that route of delivery of drugs to their farm. And can you provide that service through maybe a channel that you haven't considered before, drop ships, providing prescriptions, et cetera, et cetera, so that you can have more oversight on those those uses. Virginia, one of the things uh, that, I still think that veterinarians struggle with, when you talked previously about prohibited drugs, uh, most people are probably familiar with uh, you cannot use fluoroquinolones extra labely in food animals. We can't use feed-grade antibiotics uh, extra labely. But we had an order of prohibition for the cephalosporin drug class, and AABP was very involved with that. I know you were at the time. Also, uh, talk a little bit about uh, that specific prohibition and what that means to veterinarians.
2: Yeah, it's a good one to sort of dig into a little bit, Fred, because it is confusing. Even when you look at the regulation, it might not be uh, self-evident what it really means. Um, and um, first of all, the, there's a subsection of the Code of Federal Regulations about extra-label drug use that, that lists drugs that are prohibited for extra-label use in animals and then there's a sub list under that that says, you know, these drugs, substances and so on are prohibited for extra label drug use in food producing animals. And so, like you mentioned, chloramphenicol, um, fluoroquinolones um, and those kinds of drugs where it's pretty clear, like if there's not a label for a food producing animal, it shouldn't be used in that animal. And that's pretty straightforward. The cephalosporins are um, ha- have a little bit more. um. Gray is not the right word, but it's a little more complicated. Let's just say it that way. So extra label um, cephalosporins are prohibited with the exception of one of a single cephalosporin, cefapirin, um which the dairy um, veterinarians producers will be familiar with. Um, so cephalosporins, except for cefapirin, and cephalosporins only in the four major food animal species, so cattle, swine, chickens, and turkeys. So for anybody that treats sheep and goats, those are considered minor species and there is no prohibition of cephalosporin use in those species. So let's say we're talking about cattle and we're talking about cephalosporins. You can use cephalosporins legally, extra label in cattle, as long as you don't use them for disease prevention, as long as you don't use them at a different regimen. So reg means, regimen means you don't use a different dose, a different route, a different duration, a different frequency, um, or as long as you don't use it in a production class or a species um, that's not on the label. And so um, it, it's a little more, uh, um, there, it requires a little more thought to think, to decide whether a particular cephalosporin use is, is legal or illegal Um, and there are a lot of reasons why it's confusing that way, but I'm, but I'm, I'm trying to hopefully lay it out a um, a little bit more clearly as you're thinking about, uh, you have, uh, the dairy cow in front of you. If you're thinking about using a cephalosporin for disease prevention, that would be illegal. If you're thinking about using it at a different dose or a different route, that would be illegal. Um, and if it's not approved in dairy cows, that particular drug, um, it, that would be an illegal extra label use.
0: Yeah, and that's just a really good explanation of that prohibition and just really want to encourage our members to make sure that you're always following those regulations when you're using these products in cattle. Uh, We want to preserve their efficacy and we also want to make sure we preserve our ability to use these uh, products in cattle and really applaud uh, AVMA and AABP for their work with FDA as they were writing that order of prohibition. And we provided significant feedback through CPBI uh, to, uh, uh, Allow us to use those, uh, that class of drugs, extra-labelly for indication, um, and we all are aware that we don't have. Uh, drugs labeled for all the indications we treat cattle for. And so I think that's very important. And I think Virginia made a very good point, which I'm going to reiterate, and you cannot use it for prevention. Uh, and uh, so we want to make sure that if we have a herd outbreak of something, we have to understand that you cannot use the cephalosporin drug class uh, in that manner. It has to be for treatment. Uh, um, and so we want to make sure that we're continuing to follow those rules. But one of the things that we can use as practicing veterinarians, which I did routinely when I was in practice, is we can use FairAd to help us as veterinarians find scientifically justifiable withdrawal intervals. So, Fiona, you're with FairAd. Can you give us a background on what is FairAd and, and how FairAd receives funding and, and what groups uh, uh, provide this service through FairAd? Sure, Fred. So, uh, Farad is the Food Animal Residue Avoidance and
3: Depletion Program, and we have been funded by USDA uh, National Institute of Food and Agriculture for 40 years this year, um, and we're a funded a food safety and residue avoidance program. Our job is to provide advice on drug residue avoidance in food animals and food animal products for veterinarians and for the food animal industries, we have um, two major areas where we provide residue avoidance advice, and those are for veterinarians prescribing drugs extra labelly within the framework of MDUCA, um as well as for cases where food animals are accidentally exposed to chemicals or environmental toxins or contaminants that might pose a residue risk. Um, we are an advisory group only, so we don't have any regulatory authority Um A withdrawal interval that you get from FARAD has no regulatory teeth. Um, It is just advice from this agency, um, and uh, we do operate independently of the regulatory authorities, such as FDA and USDA.
0: And many of our members, Fiona, may not understand how FARAD determines uh, withdrawal interest for extra-label yogurt. Drug use. So, you, can you give us uh, an overview of, of how that is uh, how that's determined?
3: Sure. So, we have um, three response centers at UC Davis, Virginia Tech, and um, um, North Carolina State University, uh, the colleges of vet med there, and those response centers have teams of veterinary pharmacologists and doctoral level staff members on call to respond to requests for. Um, withdrawal advice. So, when a when a request comes in, um, we have an extensive data bank on pharmacokinetics and other relevant information on drug use in animals, and we use that information as well as any other resources that are needed to calculate a scientifically based withdrawal interval estimate, um, and that is for drug li- residues in that animal or its products to fall below the legal uh, limit. Um, or the detection limit of regulatory assays, whichever is relevant to that drug species production class combination. Um, We also do quite a bit of work performing in vivo studies to get adequate pharmacokinetic data. Um, Then we use that data to develop models um, that help us in better estimating uh, drug withdrawal intervals. There is just insufficient data available for a particular drug or chemical in that Species in question, then we may not be able to provide an estimated withdrawal interval. And in those situations, or when we're only able to provide a really um, kind of imprecise estimate of the withdrawal interval, then we might provide advice on when and how the veterinarian could start testing the animal or, or population of animals for residues um, if testing's possible. And we do have some uh, resources available on the Farad website uh, on available tests. Um, that can be referred to in that situation. I will point out that our advice on withdrawal intervals to the veterinarian is only ever as good as the information we receive from the veterinarian. So um, that, that the detail and in the information that you send us when you put in a request is uh, really important.
0: What would be important, Fiona, on that? So we've done recently some podcasts with some laboratory diagnosticians and uh, we hear from them that they get a, a you know a bag of tissue and it just says beef cow, with no history. So how can veterinarians, when they're submitting uh, that withdrawal information request online, and we'll provide a link to the FAIRAD website, how can they assist FAIRAD to make sure that the information they're getting back is accurate and helpful? First of all, using the online submission
3: page rather than calling um, is helpful because it kind of prompts. Prompts you to enter the relevant data. You're more than welcome to call as well if it's a really urgent request. But it's it's very helpful to also put in an online submission. I guess include any information you can on factors that are likely to influence drug depletion in the animal, such as you know prolonged illness, concurrently administered drugs. The example you just gave from the diagnostic lab about just saying beef cattle or <laughs> beef cow, you know that that if that's all we get, then that. Can be really difficult to provide a um, a withdrawal interval that's accurate and relevant to that particular animal. If you know if our interpretation of beef is different than the veterinarians, um, so production class, um, if it's a lactating animal and lactation stage, or even production level, can be helpful in in us um, estimating a withdrawal interval to the best of our abilities. Um, If it's an instance of extra-label drug use that is specifically prohibited under MDUCA, then uh, we can help provide guidance for withdrawal for drugs that um, currently have a food animal label intolerance, such as administration of a cephalosporin drug by an extra-label route. However, um, we're only able to provide advice in cases of accidental administration in those particular cases. Um, So it's extremely helpful if, if you are requesting extra label advice or withdrawal advice for a prohibited use of a drug, um, if you describe the circumstances surrounding that case um, as in as much detail as you can when you submit your request um, and you know that that helps us in knowing uh, whether we can provide you with a, a withdrawal interval if the data exists to um, for us to calculate that.
0: I think you mentioned it Fiona and I, and I remember when I was submitting information online that, you know, we always, that, that, that Farad always wanted to know the amount of drug given the number of times given route, but how important is that body weight, uh, which we are probably all, um, depending on the day, good or bad at, uh, how important is that when we're talking about that submission?
3: Certainly the, the more accurate you can be on body weight, um, the better um, just, you know, not giving, leaving that blank or not giving us any estimate at all, which we certainly get submissions where that happens is really not very helpful. Um, so as accurate as mm-hmm. it can be, uh, most of us aren't in a situation every day where we can put an animal on the scale. Uh, but if you, most of us also have a pretty decent idea of the, a rough weight range for that particular um breed and a uh, level of production so if you can provide us with that then that is very helpful and yeah i think i think also just you making sure that you you include the volume per site um, that was administered if it was an injectable antimicrobial um that it really helps us in uh, knowing whether we can if if the if the volume per site was an extra label use then that will further increase the estimate for uh, with the withdrawal interval that we give.
0: Just remember, listeners, that that information that comes out is only as good as the information that you put in. So really encourage you to uh, uh, do that uh, and utilize the online submission portal, as, as Fiona mentioned. Kevin, Fiona mentioned uh, accidental prohibited drug use. Uh, I am that does occur uh, when we have employees utilizing uh, these medications on farm, following protocols from the veterinarian of record, and mistakes happen. Uh, we could maybe use uh, uh, one uh, product and mistake it for another one and administer it in the wrong manner or accidentally give an additional dose when we didn't realize that uh, you know, another employee gave a dose just an hour before uh, or we're using maybe a dry tube and a lactating cow accidentally. As a f- practicing veterinarian, Kevin, what, what would you do when a, when a producer does that? How would you walk through that to make sure it doesn't happen again?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, this has happened to me in, in the past, <laughs> yes. so I can speak with some experience. Um, but the first thing is just to have a conversation with the client, trying to figure out what actually went down, what happened, um, who did it, why did it happen, what did we give? Did we give in the wrong place? And as you mentioned before and that kind of stuff. Um, And then maybe we need to implement some training or retraining either for if it's the owner operator or if it's an employee. Um, And maybe we just need to come and watch them as they're treating animals and just kind of review if things are going correctly. There's another opportunity for a value added service of, making sure if we're processing cattle or if I'm dry treating dairy cows that I'm that things are going the appropriate way. I had a discussion with someone yesterday. They were on a farm and the dry treatment was being done in multiple different ways and not according to protocol. So it, <laughs> it can occur um and it, it might be happening on your farm you just don't know it. Um so training and just reviewing and watching other things might be to like limit which drugs your farmers are and your clients are going to use. So, especially with the cephalosporins in cattle, um, they're named fairly similar. So maybe we want to limit to just one of those, um, and we're just going to use this one and that one only for um, injectable treatments. And then maybe we might use one other drug um, in lactating cows. You're kind of limited on on lactating dairy cows, anyways. Um, But just picking one or two drugs, and we're only going to use these until we have a problem or something. That might be a good way practically. Um, And then other ways are reaching out and you know trying to train your other clients. Either that's through producer meetings, um, maybe it's a newsletter. And then getting into social media and maybe even getting a TikTok for those older people who don't know what that is. Um, <laughs> it's just a nice social media for really short videos. Um, and my wife has one now. And um, it actually is kind of fun. Um, and they they work really well for just kind of explaining something short, sweet. And you can put a little music and they get accepted really well.
0: That's a so, good tip. <clears throat> Yeah and and I ju- I think that that's a great point Kevin and that we need to as veterinarians have those conversations with clients so we can per- everybody makes mistakes but let's prevent future mistakes and work through those and that is our responsibility Um, I really want to thank all of you for being a part of this podcast I think we've provided some great background information for extra label drug use, how to utilize the resources from AABP as well as FARAD to assist you as you work with your beef and dairy clients to ensure that we're implementing appropriate extra label drug use imperative to that is for every practicing veterinarian that's prescribed or using medications on farms to make sure that you understand what is extra-label drug use that Virginia talked about at the top of this podcast. Anything that's not written on the label is extra-label drug use. Do not forget production class Uh, in the cattle industry. We have uh, a variety of production classes. And if something is not labeled for that particular production class, that is by definition extra-label drug use. And that does affect the withdrawal interval and warrants, as Fiona said, an extended uh, withdrawal interval. And you can work with FARAD uh, for that. Make sure that you're utilizing those FARAD resources. We'll include a link to Fairad in our show notes, uh, as well as a link to MDUCA. And, and look at the information that's on there. They have a lot of information on there that you can work through um, uh, for you to uh, work with producers to develop uh, your protocols and assign withdrawal intervals and make sure uh, that you are Inputting correct information when you submit that uh, online to FARAD for your uh, withdrawal interval request and determination, Uh, the information you provide will greatly assist them. Make sure, as Fiona said, that uh, you write down what production class it is, what other drugs the animal is on, her uh, health status, uh, the amount of drug, the body weight of the animal Volume per injection site can influence that as well. Uh, and one tip that Fiona suggested that we have talked about uh, within AABP and on AABPL is when we have an inadvertent prohibited drug use, make sure you explain to FairAd that it was a mistake, it was an inadvertent use, so they can assist you uh, when able to provide an appropriate withdrawal interval. And then as Kevin said, work with your clients when those mistakes do happen to prevent them from happening again. And uh, I think one thing that Kevin mentioned, which is really a great quote, and that is, Take pride in being responsible for antibiotic use on your beef and dairy client operations. Uh, that is our responsibility as veterinarians. Uh, we cannot say that we want to be involved in our client operations, but we do not want to be responsible. So take pride in that responsibility. Review those VCPR guidelines on the AABP website and make sure that we're implementing legal and appropriate extra-label drug use and following our antimicrobial stewardship guidelines. Thanks to all three of you for participating today. I really appreciate this information.